Good morning. First of all, let's give it up for Steve. He's bringing in some more food for us. So. Him and Bobby get up real early in the morning to make sure that they, that we have a good meal, uh, a good meal to enjoy and eat. And I really appreciate it. So please make sure that you know let Bobby and Steve know how much you appreciate it. So it's fantastic. It makes a huge difference in terms of the breakfast. I know you, uh, you know. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so all right. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, okay, very excited to be here this morning with you. Um, February is the month of love, right? We got Valentine's Day coming up, and uh, just a great month to, uh, you know, <clears throat> great month to make sure that we have a good opportunity to, you know, express love for, you know, those people in our lives that, you know, certainly our wives first, but uh, but also I always take the opportunity, and I'm sure you do as well, to. Just make sure that, you know, we're making sure, you know, those people that are in our lives uh, feel loved, know they're loved. And in the midst of all that, God wants to know he's loved too. And uh, I think by being here this morning and, um, you know, seeking him in terms of encouraging other people in ter- with uh, with your fellowship. And uh, Mark, certainly with your witness today, you know, this is a this is a great step. So I think we're off and running. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great month. So um, I want to thank everybody for being here. There's a couple of announcements I just want to go through. Um, we do have the dates and uh, on our flyer uh, that's here. We've gotten a couple of questions about that. So please mark those calendar those dates on your calendar and hope to see you hope to see you then. Uh, in addition, uh, we've got uh, the Global Impact Celebration coming up. So uh, very excited about that. Um, you know this is a this is a you know, fire provides a uh, <clears throat> in the uh, itinerary of all the events that we have that'll be going on at the church. Uh, in addition to that, it says on the back, as you'll see, how can I help? How can I participate in uh, in GIC? So, um, you know, please be prayerfully, <clears throat> please prayerfully be considering. Um, not only, by the way, we kick off the event uh, the men's at the men's group on um, Thursday, March second. It, by the way, it's 6.45, don't worry about it, it's not 6.30, so, uh, although we, we do get a, we have a group that starts, gets here at 6.30, but uh, we'll be starting off at 6.45 and and um, look forward to hearing a little bit about what Virginia has to share about some things that are going on right here in our community, so looking forward to, looking forward to that. Um, without further ado, we, we have a speaker today, uh, Mark Kramer, I think. Uh, most people know Mark. He's uh, very visible at the church and very involved and engaged, and um, you know, very generous with his service. And um, I'm excited to have Mark speak. I, you know, I, you know, Mark. Uh, I've known Mark for a, for a while. We've gotten to know each other a little bit better. Do you guys remember when uh, Pat McPherson did a couple of small group Bible studies? Uh, Mark participated in those, and um, I was in that along with a few other. Uh, people that were in the in the class, it was a great opportunity to get to know Mark better. And and since then, Mark's come and spoken at our uh, foundation Sunday school class, and uh, does a fantastic job teaching. And so, you know, I'm I'm really grateful to have him here with us because I know he has a lot to share. But you know, I was talking to him. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about the breakfast is that we get to know people a little bit better, a little bit deeper, learn more about them. So I'm excited to hear more about uh, learn more about Mark. Um, few, a little bit more information on Mark. Um, Mark and his wife Ellen have been married for uh, 38 years. Uh, they have three beautiful daughters, uh, three son-in-laws, and a, uh, a granddaughter. 
Uh, Mark's uh, works for at Kramer Corporation, so second generation um, business in the food industry, and he's been a member for over 20, 22 years. His wife's been here for over thirty. Um, so a long time member of the church and a member of the Berean Sunday School class. Um, he's been uh, volunteering with the youth group for. 19 years, almost 20 years. It's amazing. Think about all the seeds that have been planted through uh, through that work that God's going to bless and multiply. Uh, he's taught confirmation class for 13 years and led a Bible study for seven. And right now he's uh, he's serving as a, as a Stephen minister and um, young adult Bible study um, leader. So um, it's great to see. Uh, it's a blessing to have somebody like uh, Mark here at REMC and looking forward to hearing what he has to share with us today. So Mark, thank you very much. One thing Tim left out when he was um, when he mentioned that Ellen and I have been married 38 years, he referred to her as Ellen. He should have referred to her as Saint Ellen. (laughs) And then Tim, I'm personally grateful that um, that Mike's not on the email list. Because he leaned over to me and he said, "Are you speaking this morning?" <laughs> so the only reason Mike's here this morning is he didn't know I was speaking. <laughs> so I actually have the opportunity to share my story with y'all, uh, my personal testimony. And Tim, am I attempting to end at seven forty-five? Is that? You can go all the way up to eight. Okay. Well, uh, I told, so, oh, Kevin, I told Kevin, he said, I'm glad, I'm glad you're, to hear you speak this morning. And I said, yeah, I hope you've got all morning. So y'all, y'all sit back and we'll see where this goes. Um, so I did not grow up in a church. I did have loving parents. Um, they actually raised me as, um, as a young man who was pretty moral. But I did not grow up in a church, and I really wish I could remember the exact age I was when my parents quit trying, because I thought church was the very worst place a young boy could possibly be, and I protested so much that at some point they actually quit trying. Um, so time comes and goes, and um, I, I have a distinct memory of being in 11th grade, I was on the football team, and uh, at 150 pounds, I was second-string center. (laughs) And so I tried to think. I think it'd take more than two of me to fill the shoes of Alec Mack, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But so in 11th grade, I was second-string center, and you can imagine that I didn't have a lot of playing time. But I I think we won a football game on the last play of the game. I think we went for a two-point conversion and won 15 to 14. But just to be totally transparent with you, I was much more interested in watching Barbara Brown, the cheerleader, that was right next to my end of the bench, um, than the football game. So that's why, that's why I think we won 15 to 14 with a two-point conversion at the end of the game. And our coach, after the game said, you guys really ought to thank the man upstairs. Now, if, if we had time, we could, we could have several theological discussions as I go through my story, but we don't, and we're not going to go there with that one. But so, the first string, Center, and I looked at each other and said, let's go to church tomorrow. And so, 
Jeff and I waltzed into, I believe it was Dunwoody Methodist, and I think that's the first and only time that Jeff ever went. Um, but for some reason, I decided I would go to student life. And way back then, that was a Campus Crusade for Christ ministry to high school students. So I went. And <clears throat> here's, and I, this, this is not, my, my memory is a little vague and it has nothing to do with because I was in a drug induced cloud. I didn't even do drugs, but I just don't remember the exact details, but I know that at some point the four spiritual laws were shared with me. That was a gospel track that Campus Crusade used for evangelism, and, and in my opinion it was very effective. I even, I can, I can quote the first two laws just like this. It, it starts off just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, so are there spiritual laws that govern our relationship with God. And law one is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. References of John 3.16, which we all know, and John 10.10, 10, where Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly or to the full. And then the second law was, yeah, but we're sinful and we're separated from God. And the verses that were used for that were Romans 3.23 and 6.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. So, um, at, at some point, I feel like I prayed to accept Christ into my life. But I honestly don't remember that specific moment. Because a little time comes and goes, and then um, he, he shared another book with me, Have You Made the Wonderful Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? And that book really has, it has three little diagrams. I wish, um, I wish I could show you those three diagrams, but it represents three lives. There's, all three of them are circles, and all three of the circles have a throne in the middle of the circle. So, in one circle, all the balls in your life are in perfect harmony, and Christ is on the, the throne of your life. In another circle, all the balls are in total disarray, and Jesus is outside of your life, and E or ego is on the throne. And then in the the other circle, all the balls are out of order. Jesus is in your life, but not on the throne, and E or ego is on the throne of your life. And I said, yep, that's me. And he said, do you want to change that? And I said, yes, I do. So I went home, and I asked the Lord in so many words to help me let him be Lord of my life. That was in 11th grade. And I immediately became very active in Campus Crusades ministry in high school. I went off to Auburn and got very active in another non-denominational ministry, the Navigators. Um, and as a navigator, um, I did a lot of right things. I knocked on doors to share the good news of Jesus. I went to prayer meetings. Um, I... Um, attended a Bible study, I led a Bible study, and at some point, I, I don't know how it happened, but I, I really became legalistic, and I started doing all those things just sort of kind of to check them off my do list. And one example I'll give you of how legalistic I became, um, in the city of Auburn, just about all the speed limits are 25, and if I found myself driving 26 miles an hour, I confess that is sin. 
because I looked at the verse in First Peter, First Peter two thirteen. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And I thought if I was driving twenty six miles an hour, I was not submitting myself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And I thought it was sin. And you can imagine how heavy that got, and how quickly it got heavy. And so now, those of you who know me today, I honestly think that explains a lot of my irreverence today. It's my knee-jerk reaction to how legalistic I was. And if there's one thing I celebrate, it's my freedom in Christ. And I think it's important to celebrate that freedom. So um, I ended up graduating from college, and now we need to set a couple of facts straight. Did you hear that? I ended up graduating from college. And some of you think that I'm like John Belushi. Some of you think that it that it actually took seven years to graduate. I made it out in five. Just want you to know that. Crammed a four-year education into five. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, and so I majored in animal and dairy science. I went to work on a dairy farm in Monticello, Florida, excuse me, in Eatonton, Georgia. Um, that dairyman went out of business. I don't think it had anything to do with my being his employee. Um, and then I went to work for a large dairy in Florida. We milked about 1,600 cows. And, you know, perhaps another time I'd be in, be willing to share some interesting stories about that. Um, so... To get to my 12 by 60 mobile home in Monticello, Florida, you drove down the paved road, and then you turned right down a dirt road, then you turned right down another dirt road, and my neighbors, I had calves across the street from me, and heifers, those are female cattle that are not cows yet, and I had heifers on all three sides of my 12 by 60 mobile home. I was isolated. <laughs> and that is that is one beautiful story that we can all learn from my personal testimony. It makes no sense for a Christian to be isolated. Um, I, I could have reached out, but didn't. So I was isolated, and in my isolated state, um, I ended up getting mad at God. And I, I now realize there were a couple of reasons I got mad at God. One, I was isolated, and I had no Christian to go to. Um, and the other one is I was very black and white and my, I had unrealistic expectations of God. That's another wonderful lesson, I think, to learn from my personal testimony. Um, I had unrealistic expectations of God. I thought he claims to be omnipotent. He claims to be omniscient. And if he really is omnipotent, and if he really is omniscient, excuse me guys, why the hell is he not doing this for me? And I'd ask him to, to do this for me. Uh, and it's, it's almost embarrassing. I'll, I'll tell you what it was. It's almost, it, actually it is embarrassing. Um, now I know how ADHD I am. Um, but back then I didn't. And, um, when I would pray one minute into my prayer, I would be thinking about everything other than my prayer to the Lord. And I would plead with God, please, Lord, bless my prayer life. Please help me to be able to concentrate when I'm talking to you. And it was it was like the Lord was doing this to me. I'm sure he wasn't, but it felt that way. 
And so at some point, I thought, if this omnipotent, omniscient God will not answer this one simple prayer request, and he said, uh, I'll share the King James Version of John 16, 24 with y'all. He said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. I claimed it. Oh, as, as a navigator, I memorized scripture in King James. Um, I claimed it, and I claimed it, and it did no good, and it did no good, and I said, you know what, God, forget it. From my perspective, he did. So I almost immediately lost interest in a prayer life, in the Bible, uh, in being around Christians. Um, all indications were I had forgotten the Lord and the Lord had forgotten me. Ellen and I had already met and we had already fallen in love and we were in love and the fact that I was mad at God, I think at the time did not deter her from saying yes and we got, and we got married in 1978. One of the best things that ever happened to me and I so hope this is being recorded so she can hear. And so now, um, I also, I I love looking back at the way God's provenient grace was at work in my life. And I I meant to tell y'all, I think the average testimony is, if you were to outline it, it's before I was a Christian, how I met Jesus, and now my life. Well, mine is those three, and then I got mad at God, and then I stayed at God, mad at God, and then I wasn't mad at God, and now my life. So it's... I I just I need to take my ADD medication just to sort that out. But anyhow, first step of prevenient grace in my life as the Lord was dragging me back to him was Ellen married me. Time comes and goes. Um, my daddy had three salesmen who worked for him um, to quit and went into business for themselves a month after he had a heart attack. And he called me and he said, if you ever thought of coming to work for me, now would be a pretty good time. So he and I talked and Ellen and I moved back to Atlanta in 1984. And um, so bear in mind, I've, you know, I've been mad at the Lord now for like eight years. So so coming to church just ain't at the top of my do list. Um, and so Ellen somehow ran into Ross and Pam Coleman. She went to high school with them, and they were members of Bereans, and so she started telling me, I really want to raise our daughter in the church, and I would almost throw up. And um, Ross and Pat Coleman, I went to high school with them, and they want us to come to their Sunday school class. So I said, okay, I think to appease her, maybe to shut her up, I said, I'll go to Sunday school with you. But again, I apologize, guys. I'll be damned if I'm going to church. So... Off we go to Berean Sunday School class. That's like 1985. Um, We are active members of Bereans. Uh, At one point, we were even co-presidents of Bereans. Um, You can you can imagine that as co-president of Bereans at that time, I didn't open or close us in prayer very often, and and I was not one of the speakers that was on the docket. Um, But we were even co-presidents. So now. Um, we get to 1994, and um, I have been mad at the Lord for about 18 years. My heart has grown darker. Um, spiritual things are of no interest whatsoever to me, 
and it just so happens that our oldest daughter, Liz, is 12, and back then, RUMC had sixth grade fellowship, and Nancy Spence, who was the leader of sixth grade fellowship, asked me, would you be one of the volunteers for sixth grade fellowship? And I said, woman, if you, I said to myself, <laughs> I said, woman, if you knew what you were thinking, you would turn and run. And I said, well, let me talk to my daughter about it. Because I thought to myself, church is filled with, I don't think this way anymore, okay? Church is filled with, with hypocrites who don't know how to have a good time. And maybe if I am a volunteer for sixth grade fellowship, there will be one sixth grade boy who will not grow up to be as cynical as I am. So Liz rubber stamped it, and I told Nancy, yep, I'll do sixth grade fellowship, but I will not teach. So I survived the entire year of sixth grade fellowship. It was a horrible experience. (laughs) I hated those sixth graders. (laughs) Now Liz is in seventh grade. And I think Jason Scott could could identify with this. Lining up adult volunteers was easier said than done for the youth group. So I think her name was Karen Gregorio. She came up to me and said, "Would you help with seventh grade fellowship? We don't we don't have any adult volunteers for seventh grade." So I said, "Okay, let me see if it's okay with Liz." Liz rubber stamped it. I said yes. So then. There was a seventh grade confirmation retreat. And don't panic, y'all. I was not a confirmation teacher. Um, but as the daddy of a seventh grader, one of the confirmation teachers couldn't go. And um, they asked me to go as a warm body. So I went on this seventh grade confirmation retreat to Epworth by the sea uh, with my heart just as hard as it's ever been, just as dark as it's ever been. And the youth minister, Mike Ratliff, I have no idea what he was talking about, but at the end, he gave an altar call, and seventh graders were lined up in, um, what's that chapel called? Lovely Lane Chapel. Seventh graders were lined up down the aisle of Lovely Lane Chapel, and there I was too. And I went forward, I knelt and prayed, and this also will show you something about my theology, but we don't have time to go there, so we won't go there, but I said, Lord... I know I've invited you into my life, and I know I don't need to do that again. However, I would greatly appreciate it if you would help me believe you and believe in you again. And then and there, that prayer was answered. And my, um, I think as John Wesley said, my heart was straight. I'm, I'm throwing in these Methodist references because Brother Long is here. <laughs> As John Wesley would say, my heart was strangely warmed. So, um, all of a sudden, I became a youth leader who actually wanted to share with these seventh graders. And I didn't hate them nearly as much as I did when they were sixth graders. (laughs) Then Liz goes into eighth grade, and I actually signed up to be an adult volunteer. I really stepped out of my comfort zone and asked if I could be a confirmation teacher. And for for some reason, um, they said yes, I could. But I mean, by then, my I was I was a believer in Jesus, so it makes sense that they would. Um, But so I I need to share another story that is a, a lesson we can learn from my story as well. 
Um, so Pete Alban comes to RUMC right after I've asked the Lord to help me believe in him again. And Pete takes his um, adult volunteers on a uh, weekend retreat, and we do this spiritual gifts test. First time I've ever done a spiritual gifts test. And I scored high in teaching. And I said, you know, Pete, I just got to tell you, this this spiritual gifts test is not worth the value of the paper it's written on. Look what I scored high in. And Pete said, I don't know, Mark, maybe there's something there. So the next year we took the same test and I scored high in teaching and I said the same thing to Pete. But anyhow, at some point, um, I got to where I love to teach. And so, um, it looked, I don't know if I'm going to be so long winded that we won't have time for small for table talk or not, but um, one thing that I want to pause and share with y'all is if you don't know your spiritual gifts, slow down long enough to discover what they are. If you do know your spiritual gifts, prayerfully consider how you can use them. Because I will say to this day, the times that I am the most blessed are the times when I get to use my spiritual gifts. And of course, you know, when you share this with a group of people and, you know, you tell them that you're passionate about teaching, you always run the risk of having somebody sort of no longer make eye contact with you and think, dear Lord, this guy thinks he can teach. So <laughs> you do in fact run that risk, but I, I emphasize if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, take the time to discover them. And if you do, prayerfully consider how you can use them. That is, um, I just made eye contact with Bill Rivers. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes, sir. <laughs> Bill's gotten fired up about missions here in the last year or two, and I guarantee you it has something to do with that. If it doesn't, please don't say anything, because you'll, <laughs> you'll totally steal my thunder right now. Um, and so I, I, I sort of want to share, so let me go back. Provenient grace. Ellen agreed to marry me. Ellen forced me to start coming to Bereans. Nancy Spence asked me to help with sixth grade fellowship. Karen Gregorio asked me to help with seventh grade fellowship. Um, some confirmation teacher couldn't make the darn confirmation retreat, and I went in that person's place. And Fletch and I just about killed a seventh grader that weekend also. They sent this kid on the trip without his meds. That's another story. His name was Legion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I feel like about that time, the Lord said to me in so many words, okay, Kramer, it's been long enough. I'm sick and tired of your being mad at me, and I'm ready to use you. Uh, not that he has to or needs to, but I think he wanted to. And so um, my sort of theme verse, and it's really totally taken out of context, it's from Isaiah, and it's the Lord speaking to, I think his name is, let me glance, his name is Sennacherib, king of Israel, Israel uh, Assyria. And the Lord says to him, I know where you stay and when you come and go and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I'll put my hook in your nose 
and my bit in your mouth, and make you return by the way you came. And that is especially appropriate for me, because as a fellow with a background in animal agriculture, I know exactly what a bit in a horse's mouth does, and a lot of y'all may know that, but I bet there's only a handful that knows what hook in your nose does. You can control a 2,000-pound bull with a hook in his nose if the lead rope is long enough and stretched back between all four legs. That, that bull ain't going to get you. He put his hook in my nose and his bit in my mouth, and I honestly believe he made me return by the way that I came. So now I, um, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we will have time for a little discussion. Um, so about the time Liz was in eighth grade, um, that was my first year of teaching confirmation. I do think I taught it for 13 years. Um, I was an adult volunteer for 19 years. And here's where I would just pause and say, I, um, if the Lord had asked me, I would have counseled him to handle getting old a little differently. Because I don't, I honestly don't know that I will, that's, I can't wait to discover what it is that I'm as passionate about as I was working with the youth. But I just, you know, at some point you're too old. And then I also see the same thing with my elderly dad. So that's, that's a side note and it wasn't in my organized notes, but, um, I was, I loved working with the youth and did so for 19 years. Um, and so <clears throat> what I've learned, looking back, what I've learned, and you know, you, you can say that when you've got a shiny forehead and your mustache is white as snow when once upon a time it was this, this prettiest color of reddish brown. Um, <clears throat> looking back, things I've learned, um, one, the importance of fellowship, and I'm not sure that anybody in this room needs to hear that, but it's so important. And I will say to you, if this is your only source of fellowship, this is not enough. This is wonderful, but you need more than once a month. Um, fellowship is simply the opportunity to gather together and encourage one another toward love and good works, as it says in Hebrews 10. Um, something else I've learned, and this is, this is another one of my passions, uh, I have learned the dangers of unrealistic expectations, as I, I hope I spelled out for you. My unrealistic expectations of God, I think, are directly related to why um, I became so mad at him. So how do we avoid having unrealistic expectations of God? The answer is simple. Get to know him. Okay. How do we get to know him? This is one way right here. We've already talked about fellowship. I think the number one way to get to know him is get to know his word. There's this, um, you know, taking five years to get through Auburn, you'd probably think I can't sort this out, but I do know about high positive correlations. And there is a high positive correlation between knowing the Word and knowing God. And it's just interesting, as you get to know both, you love Him more, you want to be more like Him, you want to be more obedient to Him, you want to sing His praises to the world. And it all starts with getting to know the Word, getting to know Him, and maybe you won't have the unrealistic expectations of God that I had. And then the other thing, um, 
and I've sort of spelled this out clearly, is discover your spiritual gifts and use them for the building up of the body of Christ and for your personal enrichment as well. So, uh, thus endeth um, my story that I love to share, um, and I hope that um, you've been encouraged by one or two of the points that I've made. My daughters would accuse me of making the point, emphasizing the point, summarizing the point, and reiterating the point. So, <laughs> You didn't mention why Stephen ministered. Um, thank you, Jay. <laughs> why Stephen ministry? Uh, I am a Stephen minister. I love being a Stephen minister. And uh, Nancy Lane did not pay me to make this endorsement, but uh, I would I would encourage you, if you have the time, to go through the training for Stephen ministry, even if you think I ain't going to be one. Um, so I had um, <clears throat> I don't remember if William Mood said Kramer, you ought to be a Stephen minister, or if I said William, tell me about being a Stephen minister. I just you know again it was not a drug-induced fog. I just don't remember that detail. Um, but so I asked um, four women in my life that I love. I asked my wife, Rochella Mood, who led a Bible teenage Bible study with me for six years, Alyssa Ewald, who co-led that adult that high school Bible study with me for a couple years, and my precious baby daughter, Ann, who is now a youth minister, I asked all four of them, I said, I'm thinking about being a Stephen minister. And I I feel like to be a Stephen minister, you have to be a good listener. And I said, I really, I just think I suck as a listener. <laughs> and all four of those women that I love said, oh, no, Mark, Crane, Daddy, you're a wonderful listener. And I said, Really? I personally think I have all four of them deceived, but <laughs> so with that in mind, I I wanted to become a Stephen minister, and I even went into it thinking, you know, I am probably not wired to do this. I'm probably not equipped to do this, but I went through the training, and I absolutely love being a Stephen minister, um, and it's also um, it's spilled into the way I behave at work. The specific lesson from Stephen Ministry that was that would also be wonderful for all of y'all is we talked about passive, I don't traits, personalities. I'm not sure that that's the right word, but we talked about passive, passive aggressive, aggressive, and assertive. And I almost always found myself being either passive or passive aggressive or aggressive, hardly ever assertive. And now, I mean, it's like that is so smart as a business person to be assertive as opposed to the other three. Um, so that's actually a specific Stephen ministry training that I've been able to take to work with me. Um, I will, I will also say that I'm, I'm now blessed. The Lord has blessed me in this way after getting to lead the teenage Bible study for seven years and, uh, just being broken hearted when I retired. Um, I had a young adult come up to me and say, Hey, Kramer, does our church offer a young adult Bible study? And I said, Well, not that I know of. Let me find out. So we didn't, but now we do. And we've had our young adult Bible study going for a little over a year. So if you all happen to know of any young adults who are looking for a Bible study, 
um, define young adult. Um, no, Jay, you're not a young adult. Um, <clears throat> roughly 18 to roughly 30. Um, we meet on every Tuesday night, and we'd love to have your kids or your grandkids or your nephews or your nieces join us. All right, so Tim, we still, oh, we don't. We've got about five minutes. All right, five minutes. So uh, glance at the email I sent to you and re- refresh my memory. I suggested that... We're going to talk about a Bible study. Perfect. Okay. All right. Okay. So in the remaining time we have left at your tables, tell about the Bible study that you're in and what it means to you. And just, you know, this gentle hint, if you're not in one, why the heck are you not? And then tell about your spiritual gifts and how you're using them to build up the body of Christ. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Excuse me, sorry. I don't want to cut. I don't want to cut it short. Um, so, a couple things, uh, a few things, real quick. Is one, there is some additional food over there. So, I know some people didn't get some eggs and bacon and things like that. So, please help yourself. Uh, there is some additional food over there. So, thank you for that. Also, if you want to continue talking at your table, that's perfectly fine. Um, welcome you. Welcome you to do so. And then, uh, lastly, I just want to ask us to all give it up for Mark. I really appreciate it. And Mr. Craig would like to say one thing. I, I just want to, everybody knows is that we have a mission trip coming up to Honduras in April. I believe it's April 20th to the 27th. We've got about a dozen people that have joined the team. I'd like to see more people on that team right now. It'll help us get further along in building a school in Honduras. Because um, part of that fee goes to the construction costs of that school. So we'll get there faster <laughs> if we have more people involved in this mission trip. And I really want to see more people get into um, the team. So if anybody is interested in this room, talk to me. If anybody is thinking about somebody they know uh, who wants to get involved in this particular trip, April 20th to the 27th, and I need to get you registered and get you moving on it. So thanks. All right. Thank you, Craig. Let's give it up again for Steve because he walked out when we started clapping for him. So, well... Um, I'm going to ask Mark to close us in prayer real quickly, and before I do, I want to thank you again for being here today. I want to thank you for encouraging me. Um, as Mark said, hopefully all of us will go forward from this place in uh, in love and, and uh, good work. So um, I pray that uh, this has built you up and encouraged you this morning. So, Mark, thank you again for your leadership at the church, and thank you for your leadership this morning. Certainly. Let's pray, y'all. So, Father, we thank you so very much for this time together. Thank you for this men's group. I pray that you'll bless this group, that you'll bless this group's ministry, that um, this group will have its place in the body of Christ right here at RUMC. I do pray that as we go out, Lord, that these brothers of mine will discover their spiritual gifts, will use their spiritual gifts for the building up of your body, And I also pray that if any brother in here is not in a Bible study, that you will place it on his heart to find a Bible study that makes sense to him so that he can get to know your word and get to know you better. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.